Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I am really excited today to dig into a really interesting growth lever that I've I've always wondered about, and it's all about going internationally. You know, when is the right time? How should you do it? What does that look like? What is that process? And I'm really excited today to have Joe Wilkinson, the director of growth at Lucidchart, joining to chat all about their experience with that. Joe, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks, Matt. I'm, re- I'm really excited to be here. Me too. And so uh, right before we jump into the topic, I'm going to ask you to give a 30-second intro of yourself, and then we will dive right in. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm director of growth over here at Lucidchart. I joined the company when we were just you know 60 people or so, and been with it as we've expanded to up over 500 people. Gone through the international expansion and guided the growth team as we've really tried to adapt our focus to the changing needs of the company. That is awesome. And what's really interesting about the the way that your product operates is it's a consumer type app in a business context. And so I would presume that there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on there that you can do and and how you can grow. And so to tee this off, I think a lot of companies either generally will start in one local market and going international or thinking globally or, or, you know, being online in general is an international thing, but actually going international isn't as easy as just having your website up and offering your stuff to wherever. Most people just start in the United States and, and launch their product there and grow that customer base or in Europe or in South Korea or whatever it might be. So for you on your end, was there always the strategy of we are definitely going to go international at some point or were there certain levers or data points that you looked at and said, all right, now is the time? Like what, what did that whole process look like to prioritize this? Yeah, I think you're spot on. We always had this vision of of wanting to go international or thinking international. Being based in, in Utah, you have a lot of people who, who speak a lot of different languages, have lived some time in different countries. And so being, you know, kind of aware of the world and going global is something we've we've always been thinking about, as, as many companies do, but it's kind of more real once you've you've spent time there. And so it was really checking in on the data and sort of saying, at what point does this make sense? At what point do we have enough traffic from these regions? Or what point do we kind kind of feel like we could spend the resources to go expand there. And so as we looked through that, it was really seeing that we started getting some more and more traffic from LATAM was one of the first markets. And we actually kind of started really low where we translated just parts of our our site to really see what would happen. Interesting. So traffic was really the number one thing. And so this is the thing that you're monitoring. Like, how do you think about, all right, this is enough. Is it the traffic being a certain proportion of traffic related to how much traffic you're getting from your existing successful markets? Like, was there a number threshold that you said, you know, once we start getting 100,000 visitors a month from Latin America, like then it's time? Two points here. One of the the reasons I think traffic is so important as sort of the leading indicator is... In theory, you can fix a lot of the downstream impact through localization. That, that's sort of what you're going to go international for. You're going to say, let's explore these different payment methods. Let's try different currencies. Let's really get this into the local market. And so that at least that was our thinking when we were originally looking at that. We, we do look at payments and we want people that sort of naturally are, are more likely to pay or actually use our product. But in theory, those were things we could solve. Now, to the question of, of, of a benchmark, as, as I think a lot of things go, there wasn't a clear like at... of our traffic, like when it, when it makes up 5% or more, we're going international. It was 
one of those things, especially when you're you're talking about a young company, that's this constant source of, of conversations where maybe somebody really feels passionately about moving into the LATAM market, and they're going to be a really big driver and say, you know, look at look at all these people that are coming. These people are are behaving in this way. They're coming in there. They're registering. They're paying at a, a higher rate than we would expect. But we really need to to serve them, and it sort of takes a little bit of time to get the rest of the org on board and push them along. And so that's that's kind of how we thought about it. It wasn't any sort of formal thinking process. It was more organic, I guess, if you will. And that these sort of steps of let's move slowly into these and, and really kind of dip our feet in and see what that looks like. Okay, so that's really interesting to me because uh, like the fact that you said move slowly in versus like this all out, all right, it's time, like throw the resources at it. Can you just walk through that that thought process of all right, what, what does it mean to, to move slowly and like dip your feet in and test it out? How do you then know like, all right, now it's time to start pouring more onto this and, and go from there. Yeah, I think the the thing with that is if you look at what it means to really go all in with a company or with a region, you're really talking about a, a, a massive investment. And there are a lot of unknowns there. You know, for example, if you go into the Netherlands, are you going to support, you know, ideal one of their, their specific payment gateways, get fully translated and localized, start running events in Amsterdam and all these sort of different motions that you actually have to do to make that effective? You know, the question in our mind is how can we solve for those unknowns before we make those decisions? And I think that's that's something a general business practice that we have that's not really, you know, outside of, of international, especially on the growth team, right? How can we how can we understand if this is a good idea without sort of doing everything possible to know whether or not like it fails, if that, that makes sense. Yeah. And- <laughs> Okay, so that's really interesting. I didn't even think about the whole deal with this localized payment processor and all those things. Like to me, that that's like, oh, right. Like, like how many of those unknown or thoughtful things pop up along the way? Like, how do you plan for all those things? There are so many of those, and and it's one of those things that you know, even in a couple years, few years into this effort, where trying to to solve for some of these things. You know, I saw some data the other day that there's something like 28 different payment methods in Japan. And so when you think about going into Japan, yeah, like how do you approach that? How do you even find the highest leverage levers there? And so that's something we continue to really try and deal with and work through. And that's why we take this approach of let's let's sort of solve this lever, if you will, and and see how impactful that is and whether or not we should sort of keep going down these paths and, and taking it a step at a time. And there's there's some drawbacks to that, but that's sort of what we've we felt is effective. Yeah. You know, I always and maybe this is just me, I always kind of thought that and maybe there's this perception that, oh, you know, we're gonna start offering our product internationally, pick a market, put the marketing page in that language and change the currency on the pricing page and then you should be good. Like obviously there is also this whole other question, all right, all right, do you then also have to localize the language of the entire product itself? That to me, that is like, I, I'm going to guess that's a whole other can of worms. But I don't know, what, what is that starting point that going back to what you said earlier, like, how can we know if we should, what are the small things that we can do as a growth team to know if we should really double down? What do those things look like? Yeah, so you're right on the product thing. That's that's even you know questions of what do we allow out? Do we even allow any feature out before it's translated and how we get that built up? And so on the marketing side and on the growth side, it's a similar question, but it's a little bit easier for us. So when we were actually first trying things out, we just 
translated our, our, our marketing pages and saw if there was sort of nascent demand that we could kind of capture within the SEO space and say, what if we, what if we took some of these keywords that people seem to be coming in from already in English and we, we move them into Spanish for in the LATAM scenario and see what that does with our rankings, what traffic we could bring in. And you can kind of watch with the data, where are people falling off? Where are they, they getting tripped up? And Along with that, there are other mechanisms you can do, things that I, I call sort of these shadow tests or go tests. Like you, you hear a lot of different ways that people call these things. But for example, with, with payment methods, you can sort of introduce this, this option of a payment method and say, this is something we're thinking about. Like, would you prefer to pay? And that, you know, it's not perfect, but it can kind of give you an idea of how many people really you might be able to, to get a lift with. If you had, you know, 10,000 people say, yeah, I, I would only pay if I had that. That's a pretty good signal. But if you have one, then, you know, even if it's 10 or 20x the number of people who didn't raise their hands, that's still a pretty, pretty low bar for the amount of investment it probably takes for us where we were at a, as a company. Got it. And so let's take the Latin America expanding there as the example. I'm guessing that that was a similar step one. And then you learn from that. And then let's say that there are enough people, you know, clicking through or choosing what, what did some of the next tactics look like to say, all right, time to double down. Like, here's the next step. Here's the next step. Yeah. So the next question is really visiting and, and thinking about where that market's at. And I think this gets to something we were talking about earlier, where we think about our company being both this B2C and B2B motion. And so one of the important things that, that we really had to think about is how do you kind of approach the market where it's at, you know, meet it, meet it at its level. And so with a company like us and, and who we're competing with, some of our major competitors in the US, something like, like a Vizio is very well known. And a lot of the people searching for it are probably comparing us to Vizio directly. But on the flip side, if you look at something like going into LATAM, it's a much younger market. We're probably going up against kind of the, the B2C space is, is where we're exploring it first. And so when we looked at that and we stepped back and we thought, how do we solve for these sort of things and where the market's at? The open question was, as we've grown and, and matured in the US, we've done things to sort of shift how people get into our product, how obvious free is or isn't, how we talk about our paid levels. And we almost sort of stepped back and said, what if we, what if we went backwards? And instead of trying to push our paid levels and talk through these things, what if we really just tried to get people into the product? You know, they've gotten on the site. How can we get them into the product? And so that was one of the, the big things that we thought about is, is how do we make free more obvious? How do we get them in? And that was that was sort of the next step after we were getting people into the onto the site. Got it. So there really is this whole strategic aspect of the decision of is there a different leading value prop? Is there a different pricing structure, right? Because what you're saying is, all right, instead of trying to lead with the conversion part, let's just lead with the free, which I know that you lead with free in, in like US markets, but it sounds like it was still positioned differently. And the priority of like, this is the conversion rate that we're looking to work on was swapped around. Yeah, exactly. The price sensitivity, I think in the different markets as we looked at it, were, were drastically different. And so how sort of obvious you make free was, was one of the major questions. And, you know, some of it could just be the familiarity with people with a freemium 
model. If you go in the US, you you see that Lucichart is, has a freemium tier. You know what to expect. You know how to think about that. But in some of these other markets, it's not entirely clear that that's something they've, they've grown accustomed to and are aware of. And so making that more obvious was was something we, we took into consideration and, and moved forward with. Back to what you're saying about meeting the market where it's at. How do you go about learning about that market? Like, I don't know if you speak Spanish or not. Is it is it like setting up calls with the people that do sign up and having someone on your team that also speaks the language talking to them? Was it run a bunch of small experiments and then measure the data outputs? Was it you or someone on your team just spending a bunch of time Googling around? Like, here are the other tools in the market, right? And you create like a slide deck around that. What is it? What does that process look like? Yeah, honestly, it's a little bit all of all of that. This is, you know, especially a couple of years ago, we had to be a lot more scrappy about it. And so we found people on the team. I don't speak Spanish, but we found people on the team who did speak Spanish. And, you know, a couple from Mexico, for example, and said, let's sit down and, and can you we go through our flow with you and, and talk to you. What what do you see that's different? What do you see that that sort of is, is expected? And then looking at a bunch of the data we have, you know, we we have a different ways for people to sort of let us know what they think. And cancellation flow, for example, is, is one of those that I think every company has. And it's really valuable to look in. You're obviously going to get certain trends and consistencies. But if you see in a local market, people are complaining more about something. If people are saying, I thought this was free or something, you know, why are you charging me? And that's especially higher than something else in another market. Like, you know, that maybe you're not being as clear as you wanted to be. You wanted to kind of bring this and expose it to everyone, but because of maybe these local markets. And then you take this hypothesis that you have, which is sort of scrappily put together, and you build you build tests around it, exactly as you said. And, and we'll run through these different variations and these different tests to see what we can do. And on that general theme, as is, is I think about growth, right? I like to think about there's this theme or this idea that you have. And just because you run one test and it failed, it doesn't mean that that idea is wrong. It, it, it means probably your execution. And so you want to run through a few different variations to kind of keep a hitting on that and seeing if there's any gold there. Yeah, makes sense. How did you think about the resourcing for this? Was it, all right, we're going to take this part of the growth team or this person on the growth team and, you know, this is their priority for the next few months? Or was it you take it on and, and like run with it for a little while? Was it all these things with the Latin America market expansion are running in parallel and being prioritized in parallel with all the other stuff that the growth team is doing? How do you think about that? Yeah, so one of the ways that, I kind of run our growth team is we have we have things where we think there is a lot of gold to keep this metaphor going that we're trying to just mine and collect from that. But along with that, we have to continually sort of put out these, these feelers and check where there is value. And so we're constantly rotating through or, or moving through many different sort of sub themes, if you will, if we have these big themes where we say, let's let's push on the LATAM market and see if we can improve the registration rate and get more people into the product. And before that becomes a big major theme, we're kind of having it as maybe 10, 20% of our time to knock through these different things. And that's true with really everything and how we work. And so LATAM and international expansion wasn't anything particularly unique in that regard. And once we saw that there was some traction, we diverted more resources to it and really kind of doubled down. Got it. And the strategy around that was, it sounds like it was kind of bottoms up based on what you had said earlier around, you know, someone at the company has to look at this and say, all right, now there's there's opportunity here. And then you start spending a little bit of your time and, and trying to learn about it. And then you show up to the executive team with a hypothesis around, all right, here's here's what we think the opportunity is so far. Here are the leading indicators. Is that generally kind of what that looks like? 
Yeah, you know, that's one of the the really kind of amazing things about Lucichart as a, as a culture. Almost everything is bottoms up. So it does look exactly like that. And with the growth team, at that point, we'd already been established for a couple of years as well. And so we had built up this confidence to sort of say, we think that there's some value here and we're going to run some tests to identify if that's true or not. And there's not really a lot of hesitation for us to go do that sort of understanding work and feeling out what's out there. And then we can come back to the table and say either there's a lot here and we actually should get the whole org on board or we're kind of held to increasing the the revenue of, of the company and, and getting people more successful once they're into the product. And so if we can show that we're, we're able to do that through some of these things, there's not really a lot of hesitations with us doubling down and helping people. That's awesome. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change course here to a little bit more of specific tactics. As you've gone through the process of expanding to Latin America and maybe other markets, are there any things that you've found like always work, either very specific tactics like change the currency on the pricing page or a clear process? Like we're going to do step one, step two, step three. Are there, are there things that you found that are repeatable? So yes and no, and, and I'll get into to why. There are things that we've found are repeatable within Lucid, but they weren't they weren't sort of this works in all markets. Once we understood the the why and, and what was happening behind it. So for example, when we said these markets are a little bit less mature and we need to get more people into the product using it, rely more on the free free part of the freemium model, then we could look at countries that had very similar behavior, whether they were in Southeast Asia or other parts of LATAM or Africa or wherever, and and really saw a lot of success in rolling those things out. But things like going from, you know, doing something in Brazil and doing something in Germany, it's honestly actually been kind of hard. There's currency tests we've done that we've seen really strange results trying to, to support the local currency for some of these countries. And obviously, there's some operational issues there. And, and so there's some places where we've had some hesitations of doing that and different prices, all of these things sort of across the globe, honestly. I don't think there is. But if you understand why something won, you can certainly scale that to other markets that behave similarly. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you went through that looking back, you say, we're never going to try that thing again in any given market because that was just such a big failure? Or or do you think it's so specific to the markets that something that could have failed miserably in one place could have succeeded really well somewhere else? There are some things that come to mind, but... You know, one of the the principles we have on the growth team is when somebody asks us, because we've been been operating for so long, whether or not we've tried something, we try and have this response of, yes, we tried it, but let me tell you how we tried it and why we made the decision we did so we can understand if things have changed. And things have changed maybe the goals of the company. Maybe we're at a different stage where we need to, to focus on different things. Maybe it's the market we're talking about, like we are going from, we tried it in LATAM, but now we're trying it in Germany. Or maybe the idea is just very similar sounding, but actually very different in practice and in actual execution. And so you know, some of the things that come to mind is when we thought about going into different payment methods, which is just such a huge operational lift, we did this this whole robust kind of in-product changes to actually just get a, a signal on the value of whether or not there would be a payment method. And it just fell completely flat across the world. Everywhere we tried it, we tried to customize it in different regions. And so that's one of those where at the time we said we just can't 
we can't justify the massive operational lift when nobody really suggested that to us that you know PayPal and credit cards weren't sufficient and invoices if you're going to our enterprise skew. Now, when I say that though, there may be a time and it may be soon and maybe a couple of years out there where we're either at an operationally better place or the markets have, have adapted so much that the value we can get from these different payment methods completely shifts. And so I think it's important to always keep an open mind and, and kind of check back in and say, is that was that really the right decision? And that's true whether we say, you know, yes or no on a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to think about it. Okay, so to get towards wrapping up here, are there any other core tactics or approaches that you recommend to somebody's listening that is either starting to consider going international or is trying to break into another market right now? Maybe something that we didn't cover, or do you do you feel like you got you know most of the most of the core points in? I think what I would just summarize is kind of meet the market at whatever stage it's at, like I've said, and go back to likely where you were a few years ago, whatever that is, whether you're a 10-person company or a 10,000-person company, and you're really trying to, to, to jump into those markets, they're going to be less mature than whatever core market and, and market you've started in. And so you have to almost go back to being a startup in a lot of ways, not think that you figured everything out, not say, oh, this is this is how people are coming in. This is how we're generating traffic. This is how they're converting. This works really well. Get rid of all of those. Start back on first principles and, and meet the market where it's at. Yeah, I love that. You really got to think about it as if you're launching a new product with a new model, right? Like there's no proof that that thing is really going to work in any other market that is significantly different than the one that you already operate in. Yeah, that's so true. And this is a side note, but what comes to mind is I think you and I were both talking a while ago. There's a story of, I think it was Tinder. And in one of the markets, nobody was using the app. And they found out that the swiping left and right was just totally unfamiliar with the market. But of course, in the US, we're, we're very accustomed to it. And so I always think of that story. And it is true for all markets. Yeah, that's great. Because it, it's something that you can sit around within your product team or within your company and say, oh, yeah, that thing's a given, right? Like, it, it almost sounds like nothing's a given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's completely true. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, thank you so much. This was great. Really appreciate you joining. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk growth as it always is. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. And for anyone listening, if you enjoyed this episode, the other episodes, whatever it might be, I'd really appreciate some five-star reviews on your podcast app of choice. And if you have any feedback, questions, anything like that, my email is mattadrift.com. As always, I really, really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode. All right. See ya.